Good morning. Well, I was going to come here today um, with some handcuffs because apparently last time I talked, I wandered around rather a lot and some people felt seasick. So I'm going to lock myself to this and I can't go very far. In this Lent season, you may have noticed that there's a focus on the harder side of life. Our bodies are crying out for foods that we have given up. Last week, we were learning about the struggle of Jesus in the desert. And this week, the gospel message is equally hard. In our gospel passage today, Jesus started by delivering a shock to his disciples. Not long earlier, Peter had realized that Jesus was the Christ. And then immediately, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man was going to suffer many things, be rejected, be killed, but that he would rise again. And Mark records that he actually did this three times. And in verse 32, he says, Jesus said this plainly. So plainly that Peter, ever the one to put his foot in it, took Jesus aside to tell Jesus to get his act together. Now, I wonder what Peter actually said. He actually took Jesus aside and rebuked him. And you can imagine Peter's thought processes. Oh, come off it, Jesus. Have you lost the plot? This isn't how you motivate people. You're supposed to defeat the Romans, and you've only just helped us realize a few verses before that you are the Messiah. Stop embarrassing yourself. I had better shut you up lest people think you mean what you are saying about dying. Maybe he's tired. Perhaps I'd better give him a pep talk and motivate him again. Perhaps his sugar levels are low. Maybe he needs some chocolate. And I think we need to, we need to feel the impact and the shock of Jesus' reply. Get behind me, Satan. This isn't, oh, Peter, thank you for your concern you've not quite grabbed the point. This is a serious, strong rebuke, and it's designed to shock. Peter's mind is not on the things of God, but the things of man. Peter's whole way of thinking, avoid pain, avoid suffering. Don't be rejected, especially by the authorities in society. This whole way of thinking was being challenged. The underlying worldview was that the rich are the people who are blessed, the healthy are the morally good, and the popular and famous are those we should emulate. Peter and the disciples have missed the Beatitudes of Jesus, where Jesus says it's the poor who are blessed, the lonely, the poor in spirit, the humble, the peacemakers. It's not the valiant warriors. And in their way of thinking, holy people are not dragged before enemies, they're not tortured or humiliated, and they do not suffer. We should really note that of all the teachings in all of Jesus' life, the gospel writer Mark has chosen to write down this one for eternity. This is important. The original um, readers and listeners to gospel, Mark's gospel, they needed to hear this. They were being persecuted. They were stuck in a social hierarchy that offered few opportunities and they were beginning to lose hope. So Jesus' message is not that it's, not that it's the easy life, 
that paves the road to salvation. It's a, it's a life of sacrifice and risk. And we too need to hear this message. The will of God is not that you live in a palace of cotton wool, surrounded by pampered luxury. The will of God is that you and I become like Christ. And to follow Christ will have a cost. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. The person who wants to save his life will lose it, and the one who loses his life for Jesus will save it. And at this point, the public relations professional in me feels I need to do a Peter. I want to intervene and stop Jesus. I'm beginning to fear that, Jesus, that this is actually as bad as it sounds. Look, I want to say, you aren't going to grow your movement by promising pain. What you need to do is focus on the possibilities, the rewards, the shiny dream. Talk about how justice will be done and get people to imagine a great victory. Sell an image. Encourage them that they have power to make a difference. Inspire them. And instead, Jesus is encouraging us to take up the instrument of torture and death, a symbol of crime and subjection. I mean, who literally hung around on crosses? Rebels, traitors, criminals, and very often the poor. Jesus is getting us to associate with those kinds of people. I don't know about you, but I was raised to avoid rebels, traitors, and criminals. And I was told to work hard, so I never was poor. And yet Jesus is turning me around and pointing me in their direction. He's telling me to do what I don't want to do. This is totally countercultural. We are focused on presidents, superstars, and maybe archbishops. <laughs> Yet Jesus is looking the other way, at the poor, the lonely, and the homeless. You can't accuse Jesus of flashy advertising. And any church that misses this message of total discipleship is a church to be wary of. And yet, is this message of sacrifice quite so strange? Doesn't ordinary life tell us that the greatest rewards come from those things that we work hardest to get. I remember my grandparents, who saved for months and years to get the most basic items of furniture before mass production. And they were happy. They used those things for the rest of their lives. And contrast that with my generation. We buy whatever we want, whenever we want it, and then we still want more. And yet my grandparents, they loved each other to the end. They lived happy and fulfilled lives. And even in their poverty, they helped others. My generation focused on gaining and realizing themselves. We live in isolation, full of addictions, self-obsession, floating from meaningless relationship to meaningless relationship, unable to commit, surrounded by wealth, but unable to enjoy it. Perhaps losing yourself is not so bad. Now Jesus went on to clarify his message about taking up the cross. If you gain the world but you lose your soul, you gain nothing. Who you are is what matters, not what you own. 
only, I think it was only last month, there was a film release called All the Money in the World. And it was about John Paul Getty, who was, in his life, the richest man on earth. Yet he refused to pay a kidnapping ransom for his own grandson. When asked how much money would make you feel secure, the old man answered, more. Yet God's call is for me to live with an eternal, real perspective on life. I will die. And no amount of physical objects will bring me back on earth or bring me back to earn a place in God's kingdom. The wealth he requires is personal and moral. It's trust in his word, a willingness not to be ashamed of his message for the sake of objects and self-promotion. But this isn't just about money. This is about your entire life. And it is as bad and demanding as you think it is. Jesus wants your entire life. Now, when I was 19, I went to a missionary organization. And there, we were told to start to dream and have visions for what we could do with our lives, how we could serve God with our lives. And to be honest, I'd never really thought about it. I had virtually no idea what I was going to do with my life. And I found it really inspiring. And I'm the kind of person who can't dream small. So when someone says, start to dream, well, I was instantly thinking, great, I'm going to be the prime minister. Or maybe I'll be the most famous actor on earth. Or maybe I could be the greatest sports star in history. However, no sooner had they begun to teach this, but then they also delivered another shock. Jesus requires that you sacrifice everything you are and everything you have, including every dream, for him. That is ultimate discipleship. Trusting God with everything. I'd only just started to dream and get a vision for my life, and already I was losing it. It was painful. And in fact, it was the start of a battle that has been raging ever since. But the seeds that God places in our lives sometimes have to die in order for them to come back to life. Death is sometimes the will of God, not the will of man. I mean, didn't Jesus, didn't Jesus actually say this? Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. People would never see Jesus' death as solving anything. People would have had a glorious conquest by Jesus of Jerusalem, slaying the Romans. But God's ways are beyond us. Death is not something we could come up with. It's not an empowering message that makes a lot of logical sense. And yet, God is the God who can use death, the last battle we all face, and stand on the other side, pulling us back into new life. Resurrection is the promise, and resurrection is the gift. Die to his will now, and you will become so much more when it is no longer you who live, but Christ in and through you. Let's try and ground this in our reality. So we'll establish the facts. God knows you. You're not an accident. He also knew where you would be born and the myriad forces that have worked on you to shape you, to make you, you. 
He also knows the passions and the callings he has placed in you. But we face a choice. We can use those passions and possessions for our self-aggrandizement. I can take the call of God to tell others of his works, and I can turn it into a political platform to air my views and preach my greatness, to create followers of me, to build a movement based around me. Or I can take everything God gave me, and I can bring them back to him. I can let go of the dreams, the ambitions, and the strivings that grip my heart, and I can say, Lord, you gave and you can take away. Blessed be your name. And I release to him and his will all of my longings and all of my ambitions. For him to use or lay aside. For him to raise up or crucify. I know not why, but if I follow him and I am his and I trust in him, I know it is for the greater good. And as I let my heart relax and the clenched power within me seep out, and as I let ambitions die and say, all for God's glory, thy kingdom come in me, thy will be done in me, then I become something God can use. For when I've let myself die and let my ambitions and dreams go, then I am truly resting in God's hands. I'm going to die anyway, and most of the fears and dreams I have won't happen. So perhaps the logical thing is actually to trust God to be God and let him sort out my legacy. My legacy is nothing without him, but everything in him and his will. So it is as bad as you think. Jesus calls you, and if you want to follow him, to a life of death to a life of burying your dream to be an actor, a politician, a sports star, a singer, a director, a banker, a doctor, or whatever your dream is. To hand over the keys to your kingdom and let him take the wheel. To trust that he knows best. So what are your gifts? Maybe you teach. Maybe you're the best teacher in your company or school. Maybe you manage finances and you are noted for your diligence and dedication. Maybe you build, maybe you care. Maybe you contemplate new technologies to revolutionize space flight. Whatever your dreams and gifts, lay them down at Christ's feet. Let them go and let him help you see how these can be used for the kingdom of God. And remember, this is a daily act. Perhaps God will resurrect your gift to teach and use you to teach the Bible or to educate the poor. Perhaps he'll use your cooking skills to feed the hungry. Perhaps he will employ your business mind to run a charity, fund the church, or help missionaries. Or perhaps he'll just say, thank you for being willing to trust me and actually give you back what you gave to him. So let us, in a time of quiet, bring our lives, our hopes, and our dreams to God. Acknowledge your weakness and the struggle within you, that desire to hold on to things, 
Feel that clench in your heart. And then relax your will. Let things go. You can trust your Heavenly Father. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for saving us, for showing us life, for bringing us to Christ, for building us into your plans. And we bring our lives, our hopes, our ambitions, our inspirations, our gifts, our skills, we bring them to you. The things we imagine, the dreams that keep us awake at night, and the visions we have for ourselves. And we lay them down before you. We release to you all that we are. We submit ourselves to death. And we await how you will resurrect us. Lord Jesus, send us your Holy Spirit to help us see our lives from your perspective. And to help us become that which you want. Amen.